expression of unqualified loyalty and unequivocal love. How we gave away our hearts. I wasn't always a dog fan. On the contrary, I grew up adoring cats. When I was nine, I even led the feline team in the class debate on whether cats or dogs made better pets. I've grown wiser since. Today, I couldn't imagine my life without dogs. I couldn't envision being without the companionship of a faithful, affectionate, mischievous hound, sleeping by my feet, or on the bed, racing ahead along the path, or silently staring up at me with that meek, accusatory gaze with which they try to convince the world in general, and their owners in particular, that they've never eaten a proper meal or been taken for a decent walk in their entire lives. Afterwards, when it's all over for me here on earth, if there is a hereafter, I hope there will be animals there too. I agree with the man who said, if there aren't any dogs in heaven, I'm not going. The whether or not I'm admitted to that happy abode won't be entirely my decision. What's definitely the case is that I'm much more likely to get there because I love dogs here on earth, since I'm sure they have turned me into a better person. They've made me more caring, more perceptive, and more attentive, not only to other animals, but also to my fellow human beings. They've helped me hate cruelty, love kindness, and deepen my awareness of the one consciousness which flows through us all. It's not that I don't get on with people. I have a wonderful family. I love and respect my wife Nikki, my son and my daughters, and I have many friends and acquaintances whose company I enjoy. I appreciate listening to the memories of elderly people. I enjoy being with children. It's not a matter of comparisons. Dogs are just different, special. But I was over 30 before I knew anything whatsoever about them. What then drove my wife and me to deliver our hearts into canine captivity? Like so much else which seems innocuous, but ends up turning our life around, it all began when the telephone rang one ordinary April morning. As every rabbi knows, a phone call can mean anything from news of an illness, birth or sudden death, to something as banal as the confirmation of yet another meeting. That day it was Sandra, the sister of a colleague. I hear you're thinking of getting a dog, she began, in tones of greater urgency than the subject appeared to warrant. Her information was correct, with particular emphasis on the word thinking. My wife had grown up on an apple farm in Kent, surrounded by a huge family and many animals. When she was a child, if she didn't come home from school at the usual time, her mother simply phoned all her friends who had puppies or kittens and was sure to find that her daughter was there playing with the baby animals. She'd had dogs, guinea pigs and even a small alligator. The first time I went down from London to meet her family, I was taken aback by sudden calls of Hello, darling, when no one appeared to have entered the room. I looked up and saw a donkey walking past the window, and realising that it was the object of their greetings, understood that I was among people whose values I could share. But on the question of dogs, I was still far from decided. I wanted to have a dog, but was nervous about what it would entail. I was also a little bit afraid, ever since my brother and I had hidden behind the firmly closed garden gate whenever the neighbour from up the road came down Douglas Park Crescent, where we'd lived on the outskirts of Glasgow, 
accompanied by what seemed to me then as a child of five, the most enormous boxer with huge eyes and thick, dribbling lips. Nicky and I visited a couple of rescue centres, but returned unconvinced, even by the longing looks of the residents. They know, don't they? Sandra's mother, a lifelong dog lover, had said when she'd heard we'd visited a shelter. They can feel your judging whether to give them a home, and it eats their heart out when you pass them by. I felt instantly mean. There was one dog to which I had taken a liking. When we came back to see him again, the staff said happily, Freddy, it's your turn at last. But we didn't adopt him, and I'm ashamed now to think of how he must have returned lonely and hopeless to his bare pen. Attention and affection had eluded him once more. Maybe he would never again lie down to doze after his dinner, his stomach full and his heart replete.